Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. My name is Kerry Ellis, and you're listening to Eleven, the official theatre podcast. Hello and welcome to Eleven, the official theatre podcast that brings the biggest stars and creatives together in one place to discuss life in the arts. She's the first lady of the West End that's even spent some time serving it up on Broadway, which is exactly what she's currently doing in her latest thrilling project. Now playing inside the gorgeous walls of the Barbican, she's stepping, or should that be tapping, her way into playing the delightful and iconic role of Renault Sweeney in Anything Goes. She's also known for her role as the Greenwich Alphabet in the West End and Broadway productions of Wicked, being the first British person to ever play the role, as well as leading moments in the Queen musical we will rock you my fair lady wonderland oliver cats chess lay miss miss saigon and many many more she's also a chart stopping recording artist and has even sung for the queen so here in an exclusive conversation direct from backstage between shows at the barbican we discuss taking the reins as renault sweeney in kathleen marshall's olivier and tony award-winning musical anything goes and why she's embracing the opportunity to celebrate new parts of her rather remarkable voice plus we talk how wicked continues to impact her life learning to own the differences in her vocals thanks to the love and support of Dr Brian May, singing with Barry Manilow and what it was like performing for the Queen, plus what we can all expect from her new album. Belting out the ready, it's West End superstar Kerry Ellis, here now on this, the next episode of Eleven, the official theatre podcast. To ensure the safety of all involved in this episode of Eleven, Kerry and I connected for this conversation digitally, so please forgive any brief moments while we wait for the internet to catch up. Enjoy. She is the first lady of the West End with the biggest voice basically ever. So please help me welcome to this, the next episode of Eleven, direct from the Barbican Centre for Anything Goes. Hello, Kerry Ellis. How are you? Hello. Well, that's a very nice intro. I'm so glad that people can't see me. You can see me. I've got a stocking cap on my head, my big glasses, because I can't see anything. <laughs> I look like a potato, I think. <laughs> you look beautiful, I promise. And it yeah. is a podcast, so you're safe. So don't worry about that. Kerry and I have planned to do this for so long and it's finally happening. I'm so excited. I've got like a bajillion and one questions and as you said you are between shows of Anything Goes so let's start there because this production of Anything Goes has taken not just Broadway the US tour the UK UK tour and now back to the Barbican by storm it's literally huge and it's incredible and I had the absolute honor of coming to see you in the show last night 10 out of 10 you absolutely knocked it out of the park it was like it felt so right to see you up there playing this part and I felt like as an audience member it was seeing something new for you I'm so used to seeing oh, you yeah. in these big belt roles and what was extraordinary was to really see your dance and your acting shine through was it an easy yes for you to take on such an iconic role like Renault Sweeney or did you sort of approach with caution I mean it was an easy yes because I was so excited by it I, you know I didn't think I'd get the opportunity to play Reno Sweeney because you know with these roles especially as I get older they the stars really have to align you have to be available the show has to come up uh, and they have to want you you know so it, it there's a lot of things that need to be considered 
I must admit, I was a little daunted because of the dancing, because I haven't done, I mean, I, d I haven't put a pair of tap shoes or hadn't put a pair of tap shoes on since I left college, which is over 20 years ago. So that was a little daunting. And you, although I've done things like Cats and, you know, a little bit in, in Oliver maybe and My Fair Lady, but it's just not been for a long time. It's not this kind of classical kind of movement so I was a little daunted by it but I but you know I kind of love a challenge and I love anything that's going to push me out of my comfort zone and for me I'm all, I always kind of say yes straight away and then think about it later so it, it, it was an easy yes and I'm so glad that I did because I'm sure you could see last night I just love it I really do and I've done lots of shows and enjoyed lots of shows but this has a different thing going on with it and I don't know what it is there's just something special about the show and this company and, and being at the Barbican is just really wonderful. New Musical Theatre is extraordinary, but the classics are a classic for a reason and they've been around for God knows how many years now because they're just so well written. And I think last night, seeing you really dive into that acting and, and that dancing, it felt a joy to watch. And I can imagine for you getting to work with this material, it must be a joy to get to perform. Yeah, and there's a reason I think that these, these musicals do come back and they do they do create a, an audience you know people come and see these musicals time and time again and it's because they're great you know they're great shows they tell brilliant stories they're funny they have fabulous songs I mean there's Cole Porter music in this show it's just hit after hit and you know every song you know like when you go and see a jukebox musical you know you love it because you know the music you know all the music but it's not like something that you hear on the radio every day but they're classic songs which everybody sings along to and you, you kind of go oh yeah I forgot this one was in it and uh, I, a friend of mine um, came to see it uh, who's a wonderful orchestrator conductor and said you know I can't believe how many standards are in this show mm. and I was exactly the same when I came to see it I was like it, I've sung a lot of these songs in concerts but didn't realize they were all in one show and it the, the comedy is great to play it feels very fresh even though it's a real classic kind of old musical it feels very current and very fresh and and almost quite topical because the world is on upside down and anything does go because our world is changing dramatically and we do have to move at a fast pace which this show does and we do have to kind of move with the times and uh and take people as they come and and I think that's what this show gives people. One of the things that I loved last night was as a lady sat behind me, as you referenced with the songs, that every time the sort of the beginning of a song started and, and you guys started singing, she sort of went, oh, yeah, like she was sort of acknowledging that she knew them. And I don't know if she's like a musical theatre super fan, but I, I, I don't think she was because she sort of was referencing an interval how good the music is. And mm -hmm. for you, it's a different sound from you going back to the classics of what you started with. But also it felt really lovely to get to hear that different side of your voice. And I can imagine as a vocalist, like you sort of relish that opportunity oh I'm loving it I'm loving it and it, it's funny because you know people come to s or hear me sing those big notes those big songs and this doesn't really have that I mean it does have some cracking numbers and like I say songs that I would sing in concert or sing in my own show but it's not it's not like you know define gravity it's not as long as he needs me or I dream to dream it but I kind of love that, that there isn't that moment. And so for me, it's it's a completely different journey. I get to just tell tell the story and and sing and dance and that kind of old school musical thing, which is, is why I got into shows in the first place. It's what I went to drama school for, was to sing and dance and, and act. And, and this show does that. And yeah, it does take me back to 
kind of where it all started for me, like that, my kind of My Fair Lady era, which is is great. How are you with the dancing? Because it's such a huge part of the show. You are the most extraordinary dancer and we haven't had the luxury of getting to see you do that for so long. But there's no hiding with this. Like you have to sort of embrace it because you can't just go, I'm going to move back because you're front and centre. What is it like? Is it eight minutes, the end of Act One? It's ridiculous. Yeah. It was the one thing that I was nervous about. And and like I said to you, I've done Cats before, but I was, you're, 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 not hidden, but you're amongst other people. You're not, you're not front center like I am in this show. And I, I was a little nervous of it. And I, and I, I must admit, I did before the show happened. I upped my fitness. I started running more. I started training with a personal trainer just so that I could be fit enough to do it. And now that I am, it's, it's, it's made me fitter. I feel really good. I feel healthy. I feel like I've got loads of energy and, and the show has a big part to play in that. I'm, I was a little daunted, um, as well because we have lovely Bonnie Langford in the show. And I, there's a moment in, uh, in Blow Gabriel Blow where she's sat down and I'm doing this like number right in front of her and I have to do this high kick. And I was like, I can't do a high kick in front of Bonnie Langford. And it, it, I know Bonnie and you know, she's the most wonderful human being but even my own little demons in rehearsals were like I've got to do this kick in front of Bonnie and I was terrified but you know I, I got over it and I, I love every minute of it I'm just I think Kathleen Marshall has done such a brilliant job of making this show accessible it really feels like a community of people having fun doing like routines but dancing because it's it's what they would do like in a nightclub on a, on a, if you're on a ship. Yeah, great. But if you're out and about, so you're real people. Uh, you're not a team of dancers, if that makes any sense. We're all individuals in this and how we move is individual. And, and she really encouraged that. She wanted that kind of individuality to come out. So I think I found comfort in that. One thing that's very obvious coming to see the show again was that having seen Sutton and Rachel do it previously last year, this is very much your version of it. It feels really like you've sort of taken ownership of that, which I must confess doesn't always happen. It's it's often that the creatives don't want somebody to find themselves, but to bring themselves, yeah. but to replicate the success before. But that in itself must be quite exciting for you as a creative to get to find out what works for you as opposed to try and do what's happened before. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Kathleen was, again, very instrumental in that. She wanted us to all bring our own selves to it and give us the freedom to explore and change and develop and play, which was really, which was really great to start with. And for me, I try and treat any show like that to to bring it myself unbiased uh, performance to it and tell my story. And because otherwise, you're just you're just kind of I don't know going through the motions. It's got to it's got to work for you in it. Because I think audiences see through that. If you're just doing it and you're going through the motions of somebody else, I think people know it's got to be truthful. It's got to feel. It's got to feel like it's coming from you and it, it means something. Definitely, it, and it does feel a hundred percent you. And it's a real joy. And it sort of can come across as a little bit disingenuous to keep saying it, but it was a real pleasure to get to see something so new from you and to really see you mm. embrace it. And also, very very funny. I mean, knowing you, you're very cheeky and very likable, but it's a very very naughty part. And it feels like the comedy came very naturally to you. Oh, I do love it. I mean, yeah, I am. All of those. Yeah, I'm very <laughs> cheeky. And I, I I, feel very fortunate to do a job that I love. And I, this show is just joyous. And it's nice to, especially what we've been through in the last couple of years, to bring something that is funny and is light and that is just escapism, pure, wonderful, blissful 
unapologetic escapism for a couple of hours is really lovely. And the, the, the script is so good, I mean, the text is so good that it plays itself. You don't really have to try too hard because it's it's written so well. And, you know, to be surrounded by people like Dennis Lawson and Simon Callow, I mean, they're just legends. And 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 the cast that that were here last year that have that come back, um, like Sam Edwards and Hayden Oakley, uh, Carly and Nicole, and they're they're brilliant. You know, they're fabulous. So it's just. We're just playing and having fun and, and surrounded by brilliantly talented people and that makes your job really easy when it's when you're when you're playing opposite great people it just happens and uh, yeah it's great and the audiences react very differently but we toured obviously before we came to the Barbican and they would react differently in different cities to different parts of the show which was really interesting but allowed us to kind of enjoy and, and explore that so then when we came back to London we kind of we'd hit every angle we were ready to uh, you know experience whatever London gave to us I have to mention the costumes as well because I think you do get by far one of the greatest sets of costumes I think I've ever seen on you on a stage it's it's slightly embarrassing how good the costumes are like yourself and Bonnie in particular do you just feel as extraordinary as you look oh my god I feel like I'm at the Oscars and doing those you know the costume changes to come out and they present each different you know present each each award yeah I mean they are stunning the show I, I remember when I saw the show last summer you just you don't even question it you're just transported to that time and they are so elegant and effortless and they move the materials on them are stunning and they move so beautifully and we all have so many each there's so many wigs costumes shoes tap shoes obviously there's so many changes and I think people love that they they do respond to to the beauty of that it does look just classy and elegant and gorgeous definitely definitely it does and it's a phenomenal set it's a, it feels like silly just to keep saying how amazing it is but I think the fact that it won the Olivier's it of course won the Tony's it's had all this success it's testament to good work and good material and I can't wait to come back and get the opportunity to see it again and I, I love the fact that the lady behind me was very vocal all the way through I feel like she should be on this podcast to tell you how extraordinary you were but it really really was incredible and I think the audience reaction just from when I was there is, is testament to how great you are and I just love the fact that classic musicals are getting their time again and that's no yeah. disrespect to the new stuff I love it as much as the next person but you know it's nothing like a modern version of the old school stuff to remind us all why particularly post-covid why this industry is so important oh yeah and, and it, to see people react to something like this I mean you know I've done a lot of big numbered shows you know where they've got the big finish and it you know it's raucous and it's high notes and you know it's all singing and dancing which makes people stand on their feet this is really interesting for me because it it's very it's not that you know and it, it but people jump on their feet at the end of the show and it blows my mind because they're reacting to all of those lovely things the costumes the sound the lights the the music the the comedy the people it's and that's great. And that, it's just simple musical theatre based, you know, going old school, but it works. Through fear of contradiction of everything that I've just said about the show, for any of your amazing followers and fans that, of course, are going to come see the show, we do still also get the signature Kerry Ellis belting all the way through <laughs> it as well. It's still in there, which you're like, oh, comfort zone, it's back. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I do have a couple of little belty numbers in there. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, the songs are, are iconic. You know, Blow Gabriel Blow, You're the Top, I Get a Kick Out of You. Again, standards I've done endless times. Um, and obviously, Anything Goes. And, and that's a really important so song in the show. And I do get to do a nice little belty number at the end. Um, so yeah, it does scratch that itch. And, and uh, for anybody that's come in, they will, they will get it. <laughs> they will get what they want. <laughs> I don't know how sort of aware you are of your body language, but at the very end of Act One, when you're facing the back, ready for the, the song, the, the note even that everybody knows is coming, you did this sort of head back moment last night that really made me laugh, which was thinking, and place, and off we go. And it was like, there she goes. Have a breath. Take a breath. You know what, though? It's, it, I mean, I kind of have that with, with every show that I'm in. I know there's always that moment that people are waiting for. Like in Wicked, it was the end of Defying Gravity. They're waiting for you to go, ah. In, in uh, Cats, they're waiting for you to go, touch me. And, you know, Oliver, the uh, as long as he needs me. And there's always that moment. And this is this has exactly the same thing. People are waiting for you to go, anything goes. It's it's amazing. It's I, and I get it. You know, it's 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 what makes a, a brilliant song kind of have that ending to it. But uh, yeah, I guess I've kind of learned how to get through those moments and just take a breath and go for it. I think it's very safe to say that audiences do love it in all of the different shows that you reference. I mean, I've been to many of your shows where people just scream all the way through it. You're like, oh my god! But one thing that's become synonymous to you, of course, is the remarkable talent of your voice. And you reference uh, being an Oliver. I remember coming to see the show, and what you did, which I think is the genius of your talent, is is that you take these signature songs and, and numbers and make them your own. And we were sort of saying that so often that isn't always the case. Is that always an easy thing to be able to do vocally, to not copy what's come before? Or do you think that's just something that for you as a creative comes naturally? Because redefining as long as he needs me full out, some people won't like it, but a lot of people will. It's a difficult game, right? Yeah, and I think a lot of it has to do with the creatives. Like, I think you have to be given that freedom to do that. I, I think I was never a really a typically traditional musical theatre singer. I kind of had that rasp and I had that rock element to me very early on, even in the My Fair Lady days before I, you know, worked with Brian. It, there was it was always always that element. So I think for me, it, it comes. It's how I interpret a song. I don't really question it too much. But but being allowed to do that with a musical director's blessing and and the same in this, you know, Steve Ridley, who's our musical supervisor was so brilliant and he was just like you do do you and then I will I will kind of rein it in or I'll I'll put you push you in a direct if if need be but you do you and for me having that freedom is blissful um it's really difficult when you're being tied into a a, a specific structure which you, you need to be in a sense in, in musical because we all have to tell the same story but for me, having freedom is is bliss, and and it also changes it up for me, and it keeps it fresh for me because I like to change it up slightly vocally. I like it because it eggs the cast on, it gets the cast moving, and I like that it it makes it feel fresh for me. And then that that works on the audience then. So as long as it's within keeping of the show and it, it has reason for being there, then I think I think it's all game. It's all fair game. <laughs> Talk to me about how you came to the relationship with your voice because I can imagine early on when you realised that you could sing. You obviously tried, as I think we all do, fit in line with everybody else, but notice the difference in your voice. But then was it Brian and We Will Rock You that really sort of, 
I don't want to say gave you permission, but allowed you to explore the fact that you had this other part of your voice that was different, but the difference is the good part. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, my dad was a rocker. So I grew up listening. He loved like meatloaf and he loved things like the Beatles and Queen, obviously. And, and he was a proper rocker. So it was in our house, like rock music was in our house. So I think without really knowing it, it was being fed to me and I also obviously went to dance school and, and, and like a local dance school so I was doing that kind of classic you know MT kind of thing so I think they just merged as a is what I was hearing like you know you're a product of your environment and it was what I was singing along to so in my bedroom I would sing along to Bonnie Tyler holding up for a hero and I would I would also sing along to Meatloaf and do um, his big numbers and sing the duet parts and sing his. But then I'd sing along to Magic of the Musicals and sing all of the musicals. So I always had these two kind of contrasting sounds. I think obviously when I met Brian, he obviously saw that in me and was kind of bringing it out and encouraging me to explore it and to find where that was going to take me. And and that again it came at the right time because I'd done uh, a classical show, My Fair Lady and used that part of my voice, which which was more, more traditional. But then obviously, you know, got Rock You and, and we were away and, and he was just constantly bringing that out of me and give it, and he he was the first one to kind of give me permission to sing like that in a show. Be like, you know, be you, do you, because that's what's great. He's been also quite influential throughout my whole career, really. And when I have been doing musicals, he always does encourage me to go, to be myself and to express myself as as a performer do you reference or are you aware of the impact that that those decisions have made on other people because people use your voice seeing you in shows particularly if we reference the we will rock you soundtrack on how your voice is noticeably different and and fantastic and therefore they are influenced by that so it sort of has a knock-on effect of allowing other people in similar situations to be themselves I don't I don't want to put too much pressure on you but like that that's kind of cool right yeah a little bit I mean not 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 so much but occasionally when if I go and do like workshops with younger students or whatever and they'll sing something like no one but you or and and they'll do like the little kind of riffs that I would do and so kind of kind of um and if you know youngsters say I want to sing like you or you know that's always nice if I go and teach or I go and do workshops I, I, I say to them straight away, look, I'm one of you. I'm not a teacher. I don't, I'm not going to teach you how to do something, but I'm going to share my experiences with you. No, I'm not a director. I'm not, a, I'm not a, a, a musical supervisor. I'm not, you know, I'm not any of those things. I'm still on the other side. So I still feel very much one of the worker bees. I love the fact that you can go to work, but it can have an influence. And I sort of think sometimes doing a lot of these conversations we sort of shines a light on the fact that our industry does change people's lives if that's through the stories we're telling or the way in which people are interpreting stuff and I like the fact that it reminds us all the power of theatre it's the other side of it isn't it hugely and what's interesting for me now as well I because I have kids and I have this whole other world of being a mum and going on the school run and you know with all the other parents those kind of parents have started to come to see this show and to bring their kids and that's been really interesting because it it feels like we're opening up a world to to some people that haven't perhaps seen a, a musical before i had some friends in um some my mum friends uh, a couple of nights ago and i showed their kids around backstage and they got on the stage and they were just like you could see their minds were being blown and they were dancing and they were picking up the props and they were And it was like going into, you know, Harry Potter world for them. It was something so new. And as a parent, your your heart just kind of melts because you just, 
you realize how important that could be you know one of those one of those kids could then go on and do it because or something creative because of that moment and that's really special have you reached the stage with your boys yet where you're the cool performing mum or they like, no. mum, stop singing? No, I've never been cool to them. I don't think I ever will be. And the funny thing is, is they've been, you know, they've done some amazing things that they have no idea. Like they've traveled the world when I've been, when they were, especially when they were babies, I took them everywhere. And they, obviously they were in carry cots, they don't even remember it. They've been in a lot of theatres, they've been around lots of, you know, cool people, rock stars and flown on private jets and they've done all these crazy things and they have no clue but no I'm so not cool for them I'm not sure I ever will be <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the best relationship to have with a parent and child I feel like if you if your kids think you're cool that's, that's almost weird isn't it yeah although I'm sure David Beckham's kids think he's cool <laughs> yeah Was it strange for you when you went back to watch that? Was it the 10th anniversary performance of Wicked where, of course, Brian's lovely wife was in the show? Was that one of those moments where we talk about like your kids having these amazing opportunities, but for you to go back knowing that obviously you were in that show before them and Brian and everything, was that one of those moments of like where life is slightly looking back at itself? Was it like a 360 moment? It's always weird when you go and see a show that's been such a big part of your life. It's really, it's an odd thing because... It's like, they're like your babies, you know, they're like, they're so close to you. Those characters are so close to you that you have to be so removed to go back and watch it. It almost helped to see, uh, to see Anita because it made my focus on something else. I mean, I have been back to see it since um, I was in it, but it's hard not to watch it and it, and to, it brought to just come back to you and bring back all those memories and feelings. So I did have a focus, which was lovely. And she was, she's brilliant. I mean, I just adore her. Uh, there was talk of her doing this actually at one point, and uh, that would have been great fun to ask, ask to do something together. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird one to, to be, to be removed. I almost don't want to go back and watch something I've been in because I can't help think all the backstage traffic and all the things that I felt and, and thought at that time. So it's hard. Especially something that's so life-changing, like that show in particular. Yeah. And, and obviously We Will Rock You as well, where it gave you such a huge opportunity and platform, took you all over the world as well. Like you sort of talk about gifts coming into your life. Uh, I can imagine Wicked really is that show that will forever keep on giving to you. Yeah, and also what it gives to other people like it, it now Sam who plays Billy says to me you know I, I came to see you when I was just leaving college and he said I just remember it so vividly and my personal trainer last night said I came to see you five times and it, we, we didn't know each other then and she said it, it was it just meant so much to me it, it's what it means to other people as well uh, I think that's really that really blows my mind of how how that show kind of puts a real mark on people and they really take it with them. And that's that's crazy. That's mental. When you're at the centre of some of those iconic roles, very many of the ones that you've done are huge classics, like big musical theatre staple dream roles. When you're part of those and at the centre of it, do you know that they're special at the time or does sort of time allow you to realise just how extraordinary that, that moment was in your life? Yeah, I don't think so. I think I think you, you know if you're having a nice time and the company are great and all of those things. But I don't think you do. I think it's only when you come out of it that you look back on it and go, I mean, Rock You was a classic for that because, you know, we knew we were in this big show, but when we were rehearsing in Awful House, as people call it, it's called, I think it's called Orford House in Vauxhall, um, it's like this really dingy rehearsal room that everybody hates going to, but it's massive, so everybody uses it. Um, you don't have a clue because there's no audience, there's nothing. We obviously were 
you know, Brian and Roger were running around and Ben Elton and that was like you and Arlene Phillips, you kind of go, this has to be great. But you don't know, you have no idea because you've got no reaction, you've got no costume, no lights, no nothing. And especially with Rock You, then once we had opened and we got the reviews weren't great and it which was really strange because it was sold out, you know, and people were on their feet and we were getting these amazing reactions and that was really bizarre. And then you almost pinch yourself when it's a year in and people are still having the same reaction and it's still full and it's people are still getting on their feet but i i don't even know if you know then you know i think because you're so you're so in it that it's hard to be removed you know to be to be objective i think it's only when you come out does the same apply when you go into a show that's such a huge classic example when you did miss saigon did you know that it was just so revolutionary and such you sort of the pieces that people forever reference as being the greatest ever do you know it's special then yeah with something like again like les mis you know you know you're going into a an iconic loved brilliant show and with that become comes a responsibility because you have to you know take on those roles and 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 look after them and make sure that they are told in a certain way and and that people still continue to fall in love with them because it, it's your it might be your first time uh doing that show and then it might be somebody's first time seeing a musical seeing that show and that's what you have to remember with every performance that it could be somebody's first time and and you're telling them that story for the first time and that's really important my last couple of questions because you've been incredibly kind with your time i'd love to talk to you about my favorite album in my musical theater playlist and that is the chess playlist <laughs> on there the fact that there's an album the fact that there's like you can watch the entire thing feels like an embarrassment of riches but for you like possibly one of the favorite things you've ever done oh I loved it so much and again I didn't really realize the the gravitas of it at the time because for me it was like a concert that we were going to do in a couple of days that was filmed that had a soundtrack we you know you didn't you didn't think about it all, all that was going through my mind was I need to get on I need to be in the right place I need to not mess up Josh Groban I need to sing I know him so well with the Dina Menza you know it was just a case of like not mucking it up so Again, you look. I look back on that now and go, that was a real moment in time and, and affected a lot of people. And, I, and I'm grateful. That's why I'm really grateful to Hugh Aldridge because he's, he's given me a lot of opportunities along the way. And he's, for that alone, uh, the fact that, you know, he, he championed me to do that, that song. And uh, I'm grateful because it made, it made a real mark. And, and I love it. I think it's... It's quite, I'm so young and thin and gorgeous. And I'm like, oh my God, that was a moment in time. So yeah, no, it's lovely. You're still all of those things. Don't worry, Thank I you. promise. Obviously bold now, but you know. Yeah, yeah, I got no hair. The industry has been hard on her. Yeah, it's taken its toll. <laughs> also, I love the fact that they've added into the show, like the reactions of the audience when you and Adina do that duet. It's almost like a reflection of the real time because when it was announced, I mean, people were like, oh my God, they're actually doing something together at the same time. It was like, I think when was it Donna Summer and Babs did their duet for the first time, it was like, oh my God, it's actually happening. Can you imagine if we did it now? I mean, that would be mental, wouldn't it? No, you'd kill off every gay person in London. Please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that I want to talk to you about very quickly is your music because I came to see you at we just referenced the Albert Hall I came to see you at that Albert Hall concert I mean to be, also I love the fact that you had Brian May basically as your warm-up like in, in what world does that happen I know I mean and also when like with your debut album who does the album launch at the Albert Hall I mean, who does that yeah again that was a mental moment in time and I'm like how did that happen how did that happen um, and oh, it was crazy! Again, Hugh Hugh was very um, Hugh Aldridge was very 
uh, influential in that in that whole process. And I, I mean, mental. It was. I mean, I guess sometimes you just got to go big. You got to aim big, and and the rest will follow. But yeah, I mean, that really kicked off my music for me. Um, and that was important to me because I love doing it so much, and I've done it always alongside the theatre. They go in waves, you know, sometimes theatre is dominant and then sometimes my music is dominant, depending on what's happening. And, and I'm, I love it. And I think it, it keeps me challenged, spontaneous, um, gives me new options. I mean, we've got, I've, got, I've got an album coming out at uh, end of September, I think, which is full of new music, which I'm so excited about because it's, com- it's a completely different kind of sound. It's very contemporary. It's very kind of country rock. And I'm so excited for people to hear it. But we're going to do, I think, a cool little venue in North London to launch it. And yes, yeah, music is is massive. It's a massive part of of what I do, who I am. And and I'm I'm very fortunate. I get to do both. I get to do all these different things. And and that's important for me. I like the variety. I like the challenge. I like that no two days the same. And I love the fact that with your music, it's never predictable. You have the classics in there, the staples that we want, but it's always interesting to see what you d- and what direction you decide to go down and what you decide to do. And I can imagine, like, as a fan, you're like, oh, wow, okay, cool. This is interesting. Yeah. But as a creative, that also keeps it fresh. And that's sort of the name of the game, right? Yeah, well, I think I decided a long time ago that when I came out with the first album and Brian and I t- took a long time to navigate what that was going to be, you know, we had a label and we had we had a long time to get it right and we had different influences and and that was probably the 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 album that people not expected but but wanted from me they wanted all those big songs and all those kind of big notes and orchestrations and rock guitars and blah, which was great moving on from that i mean you have to make the music that you want to make because you're not it's you don't do it to sell millions of records because nowadays you just don't sell unless you're Beyonce or Ed Sheeran or uh you know Adele you don't to you're not going to make loads of money it's so for me it's about doing the music that I want to do and there's no restrictions with that and I love that you know with musical theatre there's there's parameters that you have to work within but with your music it's totally up to me what I do which I love so therefore, I just have to make the music that I want to make. And then I put it out. And if people like it, great. And if they don't, that's okay, because I've, I've done what I want to do. And that's, that's really, um, that's very important. Also, hasn't your music world opened you up to performing with like, didn't you perform with Barry Manilow? Or did I make that up? I did, yeah, I did. I did. I mean, what the, the hell? Videos. I mean, I mean, how does that, I don't even know how that happened. I got a call from uh, Anthony Cherry, who used to run, um, uh, the Friday Night's Music Night at Radio 2 and he used to be um, very high up and he said doing the Olivier's I'm, pl- I'm putting the plan together and I want you to come and sing a duet I was like great yeah you know love to I've done lots of stuff from before I've done loads of like Friday Night Music Night and Radio 2 performances and he said yeah I want you to sing with Barry Manilow I was like what <laughs> I was like you know it, I say to people I say to young people all the time you know your life can change in a phone call in a day it really does change dramatically and that was one of those phone calls you know you, I'm, I'm blissfully unaware and then I get a call saying can you come and sing with Barry Mamlow and and, and I did and it was mental and he was wonderful and yeah it, it, those things happen. <laughs> and the Queen's Jubilee concert I can imagine also another monumental moment in your life. Yeah, yeah. but again I didn't quite realise how big that was at the time it's, and I think because I was just young and blissfully ignorant and just went along was like yeah we're going to do the jubilee great amazing we'll go with all of my 
rocky mates and we're going, you know, make a noise in her garden. Brilliant. But now I look back on it and I realise how big that was. That was a massive moment. I don't want to say it's one of my favourite things you've done because there's lots of different favourite things you've done. Obviously, your Loose Women performance is my favourite. How long ago was that, though? That was so long. (laughs) It was so funny just randomly you were popping up on Loose Women. I was like, yeah, because this makes complete sense. So random. (laughs) So you promised me before the end of the year there's definitely going to be a new album, right? I'm going to hold you to that. Oh, it's done. I mean, it's done. Okay. uh, It's done. We're we're doing the artwork at the moment. The music is done. It's got to be mastered, but it's all mixed and... uh, yeah, it's it, end of September. I'm just so excited about it because it's I it's the music that I like listening to. So for, so that's what's making me excited at the moment. Okay, good. That that's the answer I wanted because people give me these wishy washy answers of like maybe I'm like no, I need I need something for the fit. Oh, no, so, it's done. It's okay, coming. Okay, big tick. This entire conversation was worth it. Now I got what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you've been very kind with your time, so I've got one very final quick question for you before you go back into the wonderful world of anything goes at the Barbican, and that is I think one thing that's incredibly endearing about you as a performer we've spoken about all the very varying different shows vocals dancing acting singing is variety being in the west end touring the uk doing roles that perhaps we might not have expected from you and it feels like variety has been one of the strongest things that's kept you going for the future is that what you're going to lead with is challenging kerry ellis as the human rather than just the performer is that how you're going to lead the next few years of your career oh absolutely yeah absolutely it's all about challenging myself i don't like sitting still for too long i don't like getting comfortable and I come alive when I'm under pressure and when I'm being challenged if I find something too too straightforward it's it's just dull for me so anything that challenges me that puts me in a new direction or that you know frightens me a little bit I'm all over it so yeah and I think it's important I think you have to push yourself in new direct you know to, to, to challenge yourself it's I know I repeat myself but I think that's 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 key because it otherwise we just we just sit back and we I think there's nothing like that that kind of adrenaline that fear that excitement that you feel uh, when you're trying something new or when you're you know you get a new script or you get a new song or a new challenge comes your way and I'm I, I chase that feeling. Kerry this has been such a pleasure we've been trying to do it, as I said at the start for so long so I'm so glad that we got such a huge window to be able to do it so thank you so much and also I wanted to point out very quickly that We've known each other now for 15 years. I oh, cannot believe it. it. I know. Stop and we're only 25. It. Oh, my God. Stop <laughs> it. Wowzers. Has it really been that long? Yeah. You just sent me a brilliant picture, though, a uh, 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 couple of days ago. I've not seen the buses yet of uh, oh. the Anything Goes uh, picture on the buses. And I'm so, I'm so glad you sent me that picture because uh, that was wonderful. 15 years, though. Oh, my God. That's blown my mind. I know. You're not old enough. <laughs> Bless you. That's exactly the answer I wanted you to say. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Kerry, thank you so much. Best of luck with the album. I'm unbelievably excited with that. And I'm going to nudge you every single day to be able to hear it. But thank you so much. And most importantly, good luck with Anything Goes. You're extraordinary. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Eleven, the official theatre podcast. Find out more about Eleven at elevenpodcast.com or via the Broadway Podcast Network.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.